0: Aloha. I am so happy to have you here with us today. I'm joined by Carol Goldfain Davis and Marv Weidner. Widener? I said it wrong. Tried. <laughs> Marv Widner. We are going to have an interesting conversation. This is the actually the first time in almost 100 podcasts that I've done that I've had two guests on at the same time. So this, this will be interesting. And uh, Carol is a counselor, is that right? Right. Yes, a, a counselor who helped counsel Marv through his grief when his wife died from cancer, and together they wrote a book that just came out in November. And I, I just find the whole thing fascinating. I think it's it's so wonderful when we can find somebody who can help support us through the grieving process, and it's not always easy to do. So I'm happy for you, Marv, that you were able to do that. Thank you. So can can you both just give us a little description of you? Who are you, and why uh, you wrote the book together?
1: Um, sure, I can start. Um, my uh, my dear late wife Marty. Uh, we found out she had cancer in September two thousand sixteen. Because of the diagnosis. We were able to have nine more months together. We invited Carol into our lives uh, toward the end of Marty's life. She passed in July of 2017. And Carol was there just during some really essential, critical parts of the last part of the time that Marty and I had together. And then Carol uh, was my grief counselor for about two years after that. The book came out of the journaling I did uh, about the cancer experience, uh, about the grief experience, what I learned there, and then also focused very much on finding the resilience that I needed to move forward. Carol was with me through that whole process. And as I began to write the book, and it really did come together, I thought it would be valuable for anyone who has lost a loved one to hear the voice of the person who is grieving and the counselor who had helped me so much through that process. So we collaborated and at the end of every chapter, you know, Carol provides her perspectives uh, as a counselor. So we have those two voices going on in the book all the time.
0: I love that. That's that's just beautiful. It kind of struck me. My my, uh, husband, Ron, died in August of 17. Mm -hmm. So it's about the same amount of time for us. And also, I wrote my first grief book after he died as something that helped me from my journaling and things that I went through. So we have a lot in common here. Mm -hmm. So, Carol? Yeah. What would you like to tell us, Carol?
2: Well, it does sound a little bit similar. Your both of your stories, yours and Marv's. Um, yeah, we it was at first I thought, well, you can't just share all these personal private things. I don't want to give up any confidentiality, you know. <laughs> but it was an absolutely fabulous experience because Marv is so open and vulnerable and shared everything that needed sharing, I think, on his own. Um, so I could keep that objective viewpoint and just talk about what he was experiencing and whatever people are going through as they read this, maybe if they're experiencing that, they will hear some words of, well, here's something you might try. So that was my role was basically just to support Marv really. And, you know, if we needed to make sense of something that he was talking about that someone might be confused on, um, that was kind of what I got to do, which was a huge privilege, but it was, it was amazing because you develop even more of a knowledge of each other and of what that experience was like for him to experience the loss of somebody so special. So it was kind of a once in a lifetime thing. Haven't done that before. <laughs> so it was good. I, I I think basically I realized that Marv was the one to tell the story. Uh, he was the one to share those actually very intimate details and in, on several occasions and, um, And I didn't have to divulge any confidentiality, which was my primary concern in the very beginning. That didn't last very long for my concern was not there because we began to steer towards if he shared an experience, I would just talk about it from more of an objective counselor's viewpoint to explain what was happening or what maybe someone could do if they found themselves in that same kind of a predicament or situation. So that was my role was to support him.
0: That's, that's so wonderful to be able to do that through this whole process. Marv, you're so fortunate to have had that kind of experience. I know I have found that um, hearing other people's experiences helps, I don't normalize what I say, the things that happen, because so many times we think we're the only one or nothing like that ever happened to anybody else, because people just don't talk about it generally. And and when we can, it makes a difference. I, I know in my book, I invited a lot of people that I know to contribute little experiences here and there that related to whatever I was talking about in a particular chapter. And some people adamantly didn't want to have anything to do with it and other people really got into it. And I think it was really helpful for them in the process to do too. But it also gave my book a broader perspective so people could see that just because one person experiences something doesn't mean somebody else will experience the same thing.
2: Right. And and I think there's something about if you hear a story, this is sort of a thought that I began to have as Marv continued to write um, and I would respond to him. If you hear something that is is just kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse into the future, perhaps of an idea of, oh, maybe I could do that. Maybe that would help me too. Or that you can get through that situation. You know, And, and as they hear that, I think you're right. I think that does normalize what they're feeling and kind of gives them a little, oh, good. I have a little heads up. Maybe I can do this after all.
0: I, I think that's true. I we just, you know, uh, Ram Das was from Maui, and he had, I think the last book that he wrote, or one of the last books that he wrote, was Walking Each Other Home. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what we're we're doing here is supporting each other on the journey. Because from the time we're born, we're on the journey. You know, <laughs> we don't concentrate on it a whole lot, but we're all going to get there someday. Yeah. So, Marv, what did you learn in the process of writing? Was it that we could kind of take that into two sections? One, the the process of journaling during the process, and then after that, the process of actually putting the book together.
1: What I learned through the journaling uh, was uh, a reinforcement of the notion that I had to begin with, which was to fully embrace whatever it was I was feeling and to embrace it at the time I was feeling it. And the journaling helped me do that. For for my experience, it was critical to the healing process to embrace whatever feelings were coming up at the time they came up, rather than set them aside or defer them or believe that I could go back to them later, which turned out not to be true. If I tried to go back to a feeling that I had, it was more of an intellectual exercise than a truly deep and emotional, you know, experience. So the writing of, you know, the writing in the journal really emerged uh, into the book really almost seamlessly because I was writing about the experiences that I had, what I learned, the observations that I had made. And Doing this with Carol was really a continuation of the healing process for me, Emily, and being able to express it and then uh, have Carol really put her words of wisdom to it was really kind of a completion of of a circle or a cycle for me. I found in my writing, I started to say what I thought maybe someone else should, might do. And I really realized quickly that I wasn't qualified to do that. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a grief counselor. I'm a grieving husband. And I could tell my stories and the perspective that I had and what I was learning, which was just fast-paced insights and understanding that was coming through the writing. But I really wanted to stop short of giving people advice. That's what Carol had done for me throughout the whole grieving process. So engaging her wisdom and her perspective was really what I thought was the best thing I could do for the readers that I was trying to help.
0: That's beautiful. And a lot of people either don't have the resources or don't think they have the resources to actually get a grief counselor. And a lot of times it's kind of a challenge to um, find a grief counselor. Right. I've, I've had a couple of people tell me of experiences that were kind of sad where they they go to a, a one of them was talking about going to a grief counselor who just gotten out of college and didn't have anybody she ever knew die. Mm. And she said she just couldn't relate to her. <laughs> she just they they couldn't talk about the same things. And I, she thought that the, the counselor was uh, judging her. And she just said, I, I had to get out of there. <laughs> so it's you, it's wonderful when you can find a good fit. And there are lots of good fits out there. There are wonderful counselors. So if you have a, an experience that isn't what you want and you still want a counselor, keep trying. And talk to other people, you know, who have, that live in the area where you would be looking for a grief counselor. Uh, and find out about experiences other people have had so that you can get an idea of who to go to instead of just blindly choosing one off of a list. right? And, and I think, Emily,
1: our book brings forward the value of the relationship for, for me. Um, I have told Carol probably t- to her embarrassment at times that she literally <laughs> saved my life, that I probably wouldn't be here and certainly wouldn't be here and in, in being in a position to move forward with my life, if I hadn't had that experience with Carol, if she had not provided that very safe place for me to express and explore what I was experiencing, what I was feeling and what I wondered, the questions that I had and being able to to talk to Carol, you know, through those two years following Marty's passing were just essential to me being able to move forward with my life, find the healing that was so much what my soul and my body needed. Um, So I would really encourage anyone who's lost a loved one or who's experienced a devastating loss to consider talking with a grief counselor. And my hope would be is that you find one as wise uh, and caring as Carol.
0: It's what, what can you say, Carol, in response it's to that? Way too complimentary. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs>
2: no, no. But, but I, yeah, but yeah, the process was an equal learning experience for me as well, because we were walking together on this path. Nobody really knows what the next day is going to be like, but, but we experienced that together as we talked and shared. Um, I, I, I love what you said about. You know, having someone that's just come out of college or you you bump into some grief group or, or and hospice offers those for free and they are available in a lot of different community centers or maybe churches, that kind of thing. Um So that's a good place to go. But I, I think my thought was when you said that is I just want to tell people I want to apologize for what happens out there that isn't helpful <laughs> and then just say, don't give up because mm-hmm. It's like anything. Well, a a lot of our whole medical community is really just, well, that didn't work, so let's try something else. Now, that didn't work either, so let's down the dose or or whatever is an experimental kind of a situation. So I would just say, don't give up. Just keep, you know, breathe deeply and call one more person (laughs) and see if you click. And you know, probably within 10, 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. I think of talking to someone I think I can click with this person and and I feel comfortable. I could say just about anything, which is what you need to be able to. So I would just say, don't give up. Yeah, <laughs>
0: really. absolutely. Yeah, I know um, after Ron died, I had two husbands die. And Ron was the one who died here on, on Maui. And I I didn't really want to go to a grief group. But I had only been here for the last two years of his life with him. And we spent all that time together it's he was needing to be together and that that was really great and so I found myself without knowing a whole lot of people and I got invited to a couple of groups and I kind of talked to the people involved and I thought I I can't do this I don't want to go someplace and sit and listen to the same people cry about the same story every week not not that all grief groups are that way but there are some that are and who the one that I was looking into was that way so I thought, well, I'm I'm just not going to go someplace. And then somebody else asked me to a grief cafe. And I had no idea what that was, but I went and I was so glad I did. It was, um, they held it at a Mexican restaurant which there aren't very many of on Maui, <laughs> but we all went to the Mexican restaurant and we had nachos and some had margaritas and beer. And <laughs> we just sat around the table and everybody shared about who they are, who they were and why they were there. And some people didn't weren't dealing with grief at that moment. But they were interested in the subject and they were interested in the death and dying process and talking about the death and death and dying process, while others wanted to um, share about their grief. And it it was a wide variety of ages, too, which I I really liked. And I clicked with two of the the women that were there that both were younger than I am. Of course, they thought I was younger, too. But (laughs) we had just... A great conversation and we ended up being able to connect afterwards and I was so glad that I went because though it wasn't a formal counseling situation it was someplace where I could not be concerned about sharing what I wanted to about what I had Mm -hmm. gone through or what I was going through and it was very good for me to listen to what the other people were going through and learn from their experience.
2: I think Marv, you could probably talk about that topic of finding your, what we called your tribe. And those are the people that they just get it. They are into that topic or they know someone that is, or they've experienced it themselves. And those are the ones you begin to bond with. Right. And I think, um, and, and then of course, Marv, there was a lot of others that you experienced that didn't have a clue what this was like or what to say or what to do and that's maybe that most of us in an unusual situation in our culture for sure we're not real comfortable with the topics of pain in other people's lives but but you should say something about that marv i think that's a good thing for you <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, i was uh, more than fortunate because i my family was very supportive particularly my son. Um, I was surrounded by a, a group of friends, both near and far, that were very, very good, very centered and calm about letting me be myself, letting me be um, as I was, you know, in the, during that time. And since, what, I, what Carol is also referring to is that some of the things that people say to you when you're, grieving can be jarring maybe even insensitive and certainly without understanding of what the experience is like and you know, it, it it takes a bit to get back out into public knowing that sometimes people are going to say things to you that when they ask how are you doing and want to say well do you have a couple 3 hours i can tell you how i'm doing or or say, you know, I know how you feel. I, you know, I lost my dog last year. You know, and just all the things that people say. Uh, there's a whole chapter about how our culture deals or doesn't deal effectively with loss, uh, or know what to say or how to communicate about it. Is there's almost a cultural silence about death and about dying in our in our culture, and it's it's pretty. It's pretty difficult when you are the person who's experienced the loss to bump up against that. It's almost like, uh, as Carol said, people don't really want you to talk about what you're experiencing. Because, you know, for a lot of reasons, they don't want to deal with death and dying themselves, uh, let alone someone else's. But there are certainly places like the Grief Cafe you mentioned, like the friends I had by Carol, where you can seek out and find a place where you where it's safe, where it's accepted, and where what you're experiencing is affirmed and supported. So it's very important to find that place and to find that tribe.
0: It it is, I, I wholly agree with you on that. And it's important to have people that you're kind of I guess I'd say up to date with, so that they don't have that constant question of how are you. I yeah. I've, I found out, I discovered that so many people ask that question of me that each time I'd hear it, it was more difficult than the time before. And I yeah. would just kind of choke up and it's like, okay, what is it that you're asking? What do you wanna hear? And it was it was hard. That was a really hard question. So I I came to start saying, I'm doing the best I can. And that's that's what I answered A good response. every time after that. A good
1: response.
0: And yeah, it made me feel better, too, because they they got to ask the question that they wanted to. <laughs> and I didn't have to do the work, you know, to figure it out what it was that they were really asking or what they really wanted to know. And it, it worked really well. So, yeah, if you can find something like that, that can really help.
1: As Carol would, would coach me during those times, she said they just want to fix you. hmm just they they intend well for the most part and they just are trying to make you feel better or be better and that's just not possible.
0: Yeah, they they just know that you can get married again so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you know, if, if people would just turn the tables and think what they'd feel like if somebody said something like that to them. Right. Could, yeah. But they don't. They just they they're not thinking in that frame of reference and I don't think they mean any hard harm. They're they're trying to be supportive.
1: I agree. We just as a culture have not really gained the skills um broadly on how to do that, even though we're all going to experience loss if we live long enough. Mm-hmm. It's um it's sort of a death-defying culture we live in some ways.
0: Yeah yeah it's supposed well define yes or just ignoring <laughs> you know whatever you can do to not talk about that subject right it's uh it, that's where a lot of people are they just they just can't handle it and and, and like, like you i'm
1: sure Emily, with your book part of the hope that Carol and i have is that the book will help people find ways to talk about it find ways to embrace the experience embrace the process of grieving, so that they can find a way to heal, find a way
0: to move on, not not move on, but move forward. That's right. That's exactly what I tell people, that moving forward, it makes a huge difference to look at it as moving forward instead of moving on. Because I always tell people when they ask me how long you're supposed to grieve, (laughs) <laughs> I can say, well, i'm say i gonna grieve my husbands for the rest of my life you know <laughs> they're always right. still in my heart you don't you don't just give that up and put it away on a shelf um uh, it's it's just part of of the life process it's part of who you are mm-hmm. right yeah very much so well it just
2: made me think we like to be so orderly and scientific and and right. you know we have A certain number of things that have to be done and then you get to this now you get to go to third grade because you did all the second grade things yeah and and we kind of want to apply that but it doesn't it doesn't quite work out that way but we like that or I think it just gives us that sense of control which of course you don't have (laughs) yes kind of an illusion we like to believe in
0: yeah people want to graduate from grief yeah. I know there's there's a, a couple programs out there where you're supposed to go through a process. And when you get through the process, then you can go on with your life. And that might work for some people. And I'm glad if it does, that they have that available to them. But I know that's not what would work for me because that's just not how I'm made. So I think it's nice to have a variety of things available so that you can get what's most significant for you. What's going to work best for you? I want to know where the name of your book came from. What's the meaning of the name of your book? When the Rocks Sing. Mm -hmm.
1: It came from a moment uh, about six months after Marty passed. When I was on a beach in New Zealand, I called the trip my resiliency tour because I knew I needed to get myself back out there. So I went to a part of the world where I didn't know anyone. Where I'd never been before, I was walking on a beach uh, near a place called Greymouth, which is on the South Island. And I walked the beach for about three days. Uh, Somewhere in the the middle part of that, I was aware that the rocks on the beach were starting would chatter against each other as the waves, you know, came in, and then as the wave went back out and washed over the top of the rocks. They would chatter to get against each other. And it took, it took, well, almost two days for me to actually realize that was happening. And the name of the book is really wishing others who have experienced loss that they too will come to a place when their heart is quiet and open enough and their mind is calm enough to actually hear the sounds of nature again and it was a moment for me where, you know, I found I was still in love with life and really wanted to move forward. Yeah. So wow. when the rocks sing.
0: That is so beautiful. It's it's such such an important thing to consider. I know lots of people that I've talked to when they're grieving won't won't leave their homes. Right. They just can't seem to to get up. And, and get to move at all and I know I found more comfortable more comfort in nature than probably anything else to be able to, yeah being being able to to walk and see and listen and one of the things that brings me comfort is going out in the mornings because there are so many birds the different birds with different bird songs and to go out and sit and just listen to my birds in the morning. It's just, I feel like I'm surrounded by people that are singing to comfort me, you know, to support me.
1: You can feel immersed in life and immersed in the world again. Mm -hmm. I found it, I found it to be very important, very healing.
0: And I, I like the idea of your resilience tour. I think that that's something people need to do, too, is put themselves in a totally different place if they can and see what happens. Just experience what you experience then where you're not only surrounded by people that know that you just are suffering loss and that don't know what to say to you or talk to you. I ended up doing that. I, I didn't really plan to do it, but I, had, um, I, I do ceramic sculpture. I really love ceramics. And I belong to, a, uh, I not belong to, I get a magazine, a ceramics magazine that talks about different things. And they in the back, they've got these places listed where you can go and stay and study ceramics. And I had found that before, long before Ron died. And I thought that would be really cool to go there. And I just never thought I would was in, in Tuscany, but I, I kept it seemed like every time I picked up the magazine, I saw something about it. Well, after Ron died, I picked up the magazine and I noticed that they had a ceramics tour to Tuscany, yeah. where they were going to go to an international ceramics show and some ceramics museums and places where they did lots of things with uh, ceramic uh, mosaic, especially and throughout Tuscany. And then you would also go to different studios and learn different techniques. While while you were there, and so I signed up, and I thought I'm traveling for me from where I live, halfway around the world, <laughs> by myself, and I just doing this. At least there would be people there. I didn't know anybody that would be there, but I knew there would be people I could relate to, and I knew that none of them knew that my husband died. <laughs> and i was able to go and and kind of escape there mm-hmm. and it it was fabulous and one of the really interesting things is one of the studios that we ended up spending 3 days at working at that studio was that studio that i'd seen years before and said mm-hmm. i really want to go there and it just happened to be part of the tour so <laughs> it was yeah it was it was so healing is there's so much beauty in tuscany Mm -hmm. and so many different things and the the act of putting myself outside of where everybody knew me you know uh it it made just a a huge difference to me Mm -hmm. and i I really uh, am glad i did that i ended up going on another tour with them to bali and it was the same sort of experience where was something that I wouldn't have gotten any other way. It's not like you're going as a tourist, where you just kind of walk around and entertain yourself. But it's you go for a purpose. That's that's what I liked in it. it was I went for a purpose, and something that I could really relate to. So I, I like the idea of calling that your resilience tour. That <laughs> I think that 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 uh, would be a great thing for people to to recognize and do for themselves.
2: Yeah, you were very intentional, (laughs) Mark. To even give it a title was a fabulous (laughs) thing. It focused him on, okay, wait, I'm here because... (laughs) And it it helped you focus. And I think you had an opportunity to share with people when you were on that trip. Maybe very much like Emily did, you know, too, about how your life
1: had meaning. Very much so. I really did rediscover... My life purpose on that trip. You know, when you put yourself in a situation like that, you kind of have to open your heart and mind to what you're experiencing and the people that you encounter, that none of whom I, I had ever met before, of course, it was halfway around the world, just as you know, your experience was in Tuscany. And it was it was very powerful. I mean, I really was important like this to live with an open heart, um, because that's what I experienced on that tour, uh, which was very consistent with how Marty and I had lived our lives as well. Um, but it was it was a dynamic part of the healing process, and Carol was very encouraging, which you know, went a long way to help me get out the door and go.
2: <laughs> I, you, it's sort of like pushing through a brick wall, don't you feel like kind of? That's <laughs> it's like. You just have to do that and know that it's kind of hard and then you're out there. So maybe it's it's that movement of just take, you know, three steps. Well, maybe here because it's snowing here today (laughs) for all of you in warmer places, you have to put on your boots and your coat. So you have some prep, but just get out there and then just take a breath and and you've kind of done the hardest part.
0: That's really true. Uh, Marv, you said something that I, I hear from a lot of people in grief, uh, maybe not right away, but as, as they go forward in their grief, people tend to to discover that they don't know what their purpose is now, that they felt right. like they did before and they they wanna know what their purpose is in life. How how was that for you?
1: Well, it was uh, it was very real for me. I identified it fairly early on. I would say, sort of in the four to five month time frame that you know my primary purpose in life has to be had been to be the best husband to Marty that I possibly could. and that certainly had intensified during those nine months when, you know she was sick from the cancer and going through lots of treatments and I was taking care of her know, 24 by seven, but I realized how sort of empty I felt um, after she passed. And part of that emptiness was that that purpose had just basically gone away. And so knowing that 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 was gone, but identifying what it was going forward is quite another thing. And the the trip to New Zealand and I subsequently took a number of trips to sort of reinforce and rediscover and deepen my my sense of being in the world again really, really was foundational to me to find that purpose within myself. You know, and for me it was not doing something necessarily out in the world, although, you know, being of service to others and building and focusing on my relationships was certainly you know fundamental to who i wanted to be and wanted to continue to be in the world but finding that that core statement if you will for me which was to live with an open heart was really uh, important to my healing important to regenerating the resilience that it took for me to continue to move forward with life so it was a very Very fundamental, foundational trip and experience.
0: That's so wonderful. I I really hope that people will hear that. And, you know, it's wonderful to be able to go on a trip like Marvin. I got to go on and I realize not everybody can do that. But there is something that you can do that you can find a way, even if it's going to the park and sitting on a park bench uh, and being being in a different, um, different space. Yes. Where you can have a freshness of that that space to be able to see things differently than you have before, because your world's different than it was before. A different space
1: and different place really, you know, was very stimulative to me and to my thought process. And because I, you know, I love nature and have always found my center in nature. That's where I went. But I agree that just giving yourself a different place and a different perspective can was for me very, very fun, you know, fundamental. Uh, Carol, do you have something to add to that? From, from well, your I was question? thinking
2: as you were talking, I'm <laughs> sort of thinking about um, the calming effect of nature, really just, even if you're just outside your front door, I mean, you don't have to go far, but, but you're kind of in a different place and like, go over by that tree over there and just, you know, touch it and spend time there. And if it's summer, put your feet in the grass. (laughs) There's a lot of grounding just to be against the earth and just let it fill you and feel the sunshine on you. If you're in the winter, you know, um, bundle up and feel that cold air on your face. and, And just, I think there's just a lot of energy in that. So, and healing, it is very healing. And it's kind of funny because I know when we have difficult times, If I just say I just need to get out, take a little walk, doesn't have to be long, but just being outside does something for our spirit. It really lifts us, and I don't know that I completely understand all of that and why, but it does. So,
0: yeah, you you made me think about um, one of the things that I did was visit someone who lived in a in a big city on the mainland that had lots of art galleries and the person I was visiting was at work all day long every day and we just got to be together like in the evenings so I would go to a different art gallery or two or three every day (laughs) and being in in that sort of very creative atmosphere where everybody sees something different in everything that they were looking at Mm -hmm. and I could just I could just sit peacefully and one one of them was uh very it it didn't have that the, the, what was in it was more abstract so it wasn't like you could look at it and go oh that looks like this place or something but it was being around that creativity and that beauty and walking through it some of them were art installations where it would be a whole room where you would walk through the art and that that was a really it was a different experience for me that was very healing for me too. It also got me to the point where I I ended up learning how to draw when, when I got home. I always thought I couldn't, but I found a class at the local arts center here and took it and was amazed that I actually could draw and have loved it ever since. And that drawing, the process of drawing, has been very therapeutic for me. Yeah. Yeah, there's
2: a lot to be said for drawing. I think it it taps into a different part of your thinking and emotions. And I don't know if I ever told you, Marv, but when you were writing and journaling, did I ever say write with your left hand? Because sometimes if you change hands, it's it's gonna be a mess and nobody cares about that. But but something different can come out. Um so yep. I don't know, that's kind of a quirky little <laughs> side note to to art. Yeah, art is art therapy is a fabulous. there are a lot of grief art therapists
0: so yeah they're they're wonderful I've, I've interviewed some of them and um taken a couple of classes before I did the podcast so that I could get the experience and and feel what it was and I I highly recommend art therapy I think it's it's just a great thing to do to deal with grief well, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I'm sure people are going to have a lot to think about when they listen to this. So I'm I'm very grateful you both are here. Do you have any last words you want to say? Thank you. Yeah. Thank
1: you for giving us the opportunity to be on your podcast to share. The purpose of the book is, is certainly to, to help uh, those who have lost loved ones, maybe identify with my story or gain some insights from carol's perspective so we really appreciate the opportunity emily yeah Mm -hmm. thanks for the work you're doing emily it's really important i love it
0: thank you thank you very much and to our listeners i am sure that you enjoyed today's episode and it'll give you a lot to think about and even do and i look forward to seeing you again next week do you want more comfort support and happiness join the grief and happiness alliance visit my website at loving and living your way through grief.com and read my book loving and living your way through grief be sure to subscribe to our podcast rate it review it and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness i can't wait to welcome you back to another episode